leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to a new episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and joining me this week, a very special guest. We're recording this live in Las Vegas. We're actually in the same room, which is a little bit unusual for for this podcast, but uh, Shamir Riaz, a fellow Sports Business Classroom alum. Shamir, thanks for, for joining me. Thanks for having me, Garrett. Now, we're both uh, here for the NBA Summer League, of course, and recording this on a, on a Monday afternoon. We, uh, we both attended the Sports Business Classroom welcome reception for the, for the 2019 class. Did you, uh, did you end up enjoying that event, Shamir? Yeah, it was fun. I got to see a lot of people that we met last year. A lot of people were doing great things, especially the interns that got invited back. So yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, it was, it was great to see some, some friendly faces and, and catch up with a lot of people. Uh, but... Uh, while we've been here, a lot of news has broken in the NBA. Of course, uh, the, the huge news being the Los Angeles Clippers are now arguably the favorite to win the, uh, the, the 2019-20 NBA title. They have, uh, they have acquired both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, the details uh, on that, uh, Kawhi essentially telling the Clippers and, and Jerry West in that front office that if you, can get, uh, if you can get Paul George on the roster, I will come. So uh, they ended up offering quite the package to the Oklahoma City Thunder to acquire Paul George. They gave up, uh, you know, one of the better rookies last season in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, also Danilo Gallinari, three of their own future picks in 2022, 24, and 26, all unprotected. The 2021 Miami first, which is unprotected, then a 2023 Miami first that is, uh, that is protected uh, in the lottery, I believe. And then also pick swaps in 2023 and 2025. So Shamir, obviously, that's a it's a huge package to give up. But essentially, what the Clippers are doing is they're 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 acquiring multiple players in George and, and Kawhi. So giving up that much might be worth it, especially since they've now got those guys for for multiple years to come. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of a lot was made of 
what the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis, and I think you, you can make the argument that the Clippers gave up a lot more, but you are getting Paul George, you are getting Kawhi Leonard, and a likely favorite. I, I think a lot of the conversation around Kawhi Leonard was, oh, if he doesn't go to the Lakers, there'll still be a lot of parity in the entire league. But I think something we're seeing is that really the Clippers are still going to be a big favorite. Yeah, I think that parity argument would have been a lot favorable for if he went to the Raptors. More right. So. And so it's interesting to see that because they were able to keep a lot of their depth. Obviously, they gave up pieces like Gallinari and even Shale Gildas Alexander, but those are negligible pieces when you're getting Paul George, you're getting uh, Kawhi Leonard, obviously the big piece. And then you're still keeping your depth, right? You're, you still got to bring back Patrick Beverly. They just brought back, I think, uh, Jermichael Green for two years, $10 million, $5 million per year. That, that, that's keeping a lot of your depth. They also acquired Mo Harkless in the deal with Portland. So they were able to keep a lot of their depth in, in ways that it makes sense still. They were, it's not just a bunch of pieces that are good and don't fit. They actually make a lot of sense. They had Harrell. They gave Zubac a big deal, which I'm not that big of a fan of, but it still all makes sense as a whole, and it's likely that they're going to be an overwhelming favorite in the West. Yeah, I mean, going back to your point about uh, comparing this package to what the Lakers offered for Davis, the difference to me is, again, you're getting two players as opposed to one, first off. Secondly, you know, the Lakers may have been able to just get Davis in free agency the following year. Uh, obviously, the the reason they were they were so keen on doing it as soon as possible is because of LeBron's age, and you know he's going to regress some. You would expect as as the years go on, but the fact that there was no other outlet for for the Clippers to get these two guys. Obviously, Paul George was under contract with the Thunder, so it's not as if you don't make this trade, you can just sign him next off season. Yeah. And with Kawhi as well, if you don't do this move, and he then chooses the Raptors instead and signs a four year deal, you've now lost that opportunity as well. So, you know, the, that's where it's, it's so huge. And, and, and finally, again, Davis on a one-year contract, you're getting Kawhi now for four years, and you've also got Paul George for two years and, and the third year, I believe, a player option. Sure. Uh, so, so you're getting multiple top ten guys for multiple years. I guess the one sort of slight counter-argument I'd have to that is with the Anthony Davis trade, you're in a way retroactively getting a second player in LeBron James if that makes sense. Because you're not utilizing LeBron to his full potential if you have a roster full of young guys who aren't going to you know, move the needle at all. Right. Anthony Davis is sort of like this additional piece in terms of getting LeBron. Because I think last year, if you trade away all these pieces to get Kawhi, for example, when the Lakers were in the market, it would have been looked at the same way. Like, you're getting LeBron because you're getting Kawhi. Obviously, LeBron said, I'll come without a star. But what I think last season told us is they need that second star or they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. It, it is fascinating, you know, the Lakers, uh, because of, you know, they, they were in the Kawhi sweepstakes ho- hoping to get that uh, trio of stars in LeBron, Davis, and Kawhi. They ended up having to go to a plan B, and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I think the plan B was, was pretty decent for the most part. They were able to get Danny Green, which I think is a, is a perfect fit around LeBron as a 3-and-D uh, wing. They, they re-signed Rondo and Caruso. They got Quinn Cook from the Warriors, another guy that I think especially offensively fits really well. Yep. Uh, then you've got uh, Jared Dudley, who I think is, is very underrated at this point, despite not being a great athlete. He's a, he's a high IQ player that, that also is a good spot-up shooter, can play a little small ball five, I think, which gives him a different look. Uh, and then also getting the likes of 
of Avery Bradley bringing back Contavious Caldwell Pope. Troy Daniels, another guy kind of like a Booby Gibson on those old Cavs teams with LeBron. And then, uh, you know, also the, the, the big news with the center market, getting DeMarcus Cousins on a one-year $3.5 million deal, and then also bringing back JaVale McGee, uh, albeit McGee got a, a two-year $8.4 million contract with, uh, I think, as uh, quoting you, a, a laughable second-year player option. Yeah, And I think the Lakers, I, I think there's like multiple ways you can look at the moves they've made post Kawhi. I think if before you, if you enter free agency and you look at some of their moves, then you'd be like, oh wow, that's a little disappointing. But I think for the risk that you take and you take it every time to get a guy like Kawhi, it, it paid off just because you took that risk, you didn't get it. But for what was left on the market at the time, they I, I believe made, I guess sort of the best of what they. Could have done one possibility that we discussed earlier is the Marcus Morris signing. Yeah. The, the lack of of Marcus Morris signing to let him go to the Spurs, and that, that was likely because of the lack of playing time he'd have behind DeMarcus Cousins. And I, I think the first two moves they should have made post-Kawhi was just locking up Danny Green and Marcus Morris. Those two pieces would have fit seamlessly. But I guess just to appease guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron, to bring guys like DeMarcus Cousins in, Ray John Rondo back, which I'm not a big fan of, but it was for the minimum. It's interesting to see. I think the biggest worry I have with this is actually not the talent they acquired. And it's not even that they fit. I think there's many combinations of where the talent, the role players they've acquired fit together. The problem I have with it is if they don't utilize it correctly. Like I know right now we were just discussing, Chris Haynes has reported that LeBron is going to be the point guard for the Lakers, which sounds great offensively, but you're, that also likely means that you're starting a guy like Kuzma. And if you're convincing DeMarcus Cousins to come to the Lakers and he apparently didn't go to the Heat, for example, that might mean the starting job was half-promised to him. Yeah. So if you're rolling out a lineup where you have guys like Kuzma, Davis, LeBron, and DeMarcus Cousins, is that really using your resources to the best of ability? To me, that if that happens, and I do think it will, it's more, more so to appease the, the players in the locker room. Right, yeah, the the defense is certainly very concerning with with that sort of a lineup, even though they would have a ton of size out there on the floor. Uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe they're talking about that, and uh, you know, you're they're just essentially saying, you know, Avery Bradley or Contavious Caldwell Pope are a natural two, but we're going to play them offensively as a two, and then defensively they can guard ones. I think that would be much better for the defensive end of the floor. And I also kind of like the. Kuzma being kind of a spark plug as a scorer off the bench. They don't need his scoring as much with when LeBron and Davis are out there. For sure. I think Kuzma's a much better player off the bench. That's what sort of the weird thing about the season was, is they eventually moved Brandon Ingram and Kuzma both to the starting lineup at the same time. And after that, after that was, they were playing that, like that with Kuzma and Ingram in the starting lineup with LeBron, it didn't really make all that much sense. But they went with it, and then Kuzma was very reluctant to go back to the bench. Like there, there was an interaction with the reporter who was like, "Yeah, I'm a starter, I'm not a bench player." Yeah. So it's like, especially in a young player, when you're fostering that mentality, it's that's why I'm assuming that he's for sure. Good. Even if it doesn't make sense schematically, I think I would assume he's starting just because of that sort of thing and how highly they thought about him, and not including him in the AD talks. They might have given up an extra pick or two just because they wanted to keep him. Yeah, it's uh, 
It's going to be interesting. One thing I will say about what the Lakers have done is they've, they've definitely not made the same mistake they made last year in terms of not bringing on enough shooting. They've got plenty of shooting on this roster now. As, a, as I said, Quinn Cook from the Warriors, really good catch-and-shoot guy. Troy Daniels, excellent at that. Uh, you know, the, Danny Green is, is one of the best in the NBA. Jared Dudley's, Dudley is pretty good. So th- they've definitely made that a priority and, and hopefully learned from their mistakes from, from last season. Uh, but... You know, you, you going back to, to the Clippers, and, and I think it, it would be fun to kind of compare these two teams and where you think they sort of rank in, in the hierarchy of the, of the Western Conference. But the Clippers, you know, not only now do they have two all-stars in, in Kawhi and Paul George, but they've got so much depth on this roster. You know, you talk about Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Lou Williams, Rodney Magruder, Kawhi, Paul George, Mo Harkless, Jermichael Green, who they just... They just signed recently, uh, and then Vicha Zubac and Montrez Harrell. They've got so many different things they can go to. You know, on those nights, you know, if they're doing the load management for Kawhi, they can, you know, maybe focus on kind of what was successful for their team last year with maybe Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell being more of an offensive priority. Yeah, if there's one problem I have with the Clippers duo, it's nitpicking really, I would say it's, how is load management going to work with Kawhi in the Western Conference? Yeah. As, as you mentioned, the Clippers were very successful without Kawhi, without Paul George last year. But they are losing Shea. They are losing Danilo Gallinari, big piece. They, and they had Tobias Harris for most of the season, right? Yeah. That, that was where they picked up a bulk of their wins. If a guy like Paul George is consistently injured, he just went through multiple shoulder surgeries. If, the, if Paul George is out or he's unhealthy... We've seen playoff series where Paul George has been very ineffective because of injuries, and he's played through them, so credit for him for that. But if in the regular season you're going through a stretch where you have a scheduled Kawhi Leonard load management program, and then Paul George is also not able to play, I don't know how successful that team is. They obviously have Lou Williams, a great creator, and their defense is probably going to be great regardless just because they have so many role guys. I just would be interesting to see... If that situation occurs, how do they, how do they sort of compensate for that? Because are you then going to sort of ditch your load management program and say, Kawhi, we need you? And I guess that was always the argument for why maybe Kawhi should have gone to the Lakers is because even you'll see, like we saw in the footage where he was leaving the plane in Toronto when he landed, he was like limping. Yeah. Right? So it's, that's an interesting way to look at it, I believe, is what happens if injuries occur. I guess the, yeah, well, you know the the advantage to the Western Conference maybe not being as top heavy. You know, with the Warriors obviously falling uh, and, and not going to be nearly as good of a team next year, and also Houston is going to have some some more age related regression. They already showed some signs last year. Is the fact that maybe you know, as you said, maybe the it isn't going to be as as easy as people think if you if you have to you know play Kawhi fifty to sixty games and Paul George misses a decent chunk of time, but just because you don't have those teams that you're super afraid of at the top, maybe the Clippers will say, if we're the sixth seed, that's fine. As long as we're healthy going into the playoffs, we can beat anybody. For sure. And that's that's the thing. My entire argument is nitpicking that it's a great <laughs> roster. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts in terms of, obviously, uh, it seemed like as much as the reporting was that Kawhi was either choosing between the, the Raptors and the Lakers, it seems to me that it was more between the Raptors and the Clippers in the end. Uh, what's your thoughts in terms of 
this current Clippers team as it as it now stands versus how good the Raptors would have been this year if Kawhi chose them. Yeah, so I think the one sort of argument for the Raptors, just as oh, Kawhi comes back, they're an automatic favorite, I wasn't that keen to say that. I, I was more so, I was, I was pretty hesitant just because they are a Kawhi Leonard jump shot and an overtime away from the 76ers going on to the conference finals. And at that stage, I don't think Kawhi Leonard considers the Raptors, right? Like, I, I don't think that's even much of consideration for him. So, and I think, and you, you look at guys like Marcus Gasol getting a year older, right? They're on expirings. It's, it, I don't think they were as much of a favorite. I think the East was still pretty open. I think you bring that Bucks team back, just another year together, that's another team that could have made that next step, right? You look at a team like the 76ers, I feel like they really improved. So I'm not sure Kawhi's option to even go back to the Raptors would have been that lucrative. I think the Clippers have a very good chance for the next three or four years of winning multiple championships. Yeah. I guess my argument would be, like, if Kawhi, there was talk that, you know, maybe Kawhi taking a 1 plus 1 in Toronto and then maybe going to the Clippers later. Uh, and, you know, the Clippers could always trade for Paul George next year if that, if you know, if Kawhi signed with Toronto this year and then told them that he wanted to come uh, in, in 2020. But, yeah, the, the thing that's it's fascinating, I think it's pretty close, actually. You know, you, you talk about the center position, um, you know, again, the Clippers with, with Zubac and Harrell, I, I prefer Gasol and Ibaka over those two. You talk about the point guard position, you know, they've really got Beverly and, you know, maybe Shamit will play a little bit as a backup point guard. Lou Williams can play a little bit at, at that spot, too. But, you know, you talk about Lowry and Van Fleet, I probably prefer that as well. Uh, the shooting guard position, you know, Danny Green is, is pretty solid, even though, yeah, Shamit and, and Lou Williams, I think they've, they've got a little bit better depth there. But yeah, I think there's definitely an argument to be made that the the Raptors, at least for just this season, would have been better. But at the same time, you know, since Kawhi did sign that four-year deal, it seemed like, you know, especially with all the injuries you talked about, him limping off the plane, uh, that, that maybe he did prioritize that four-year deal. Yeah, I, I, I always thought when the reporting came out sort of prior to him making his decision, when it came out that he wanted to sign a four-year deal, I thought it was a lock that he was going to an L.A. team. Especially because if he always wanted to go to L.A., I know Toronto had a great season. I don't think he wanted to sign more than a 1 plus 1 in Toronto. If, he's, if he was thinking four-year deal, that's when I was like, okay, L.A. And the Clippers really weren't even being talked about. So in my mind, I was like, I guess this indicates the Lakers, but no one really knew what Kawhi was doing, and so it kind of shocked everyone when he recruited Paul George, and that worked out the way it did. Yeah. Uh, the the Western Conference is, is wide open. I wanted to talk about it. A couple other, you know, smaller moves that maybe aren't generating as much headlines, but you know, the Denver Nuggets, who were the two seed in the Western Conference, they uh, they just acquired Jeremy Grant from the Thunder. So the Thunder now seem to be in 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 sell mode now after after trading Paul George and, and getting so such a, a great package in return. But uh, what do you think about uh, what that does for Denver? I think for me, the the thing that stands out is. You know, there, there's all this talk. They they had this video that they released of uh, of Michael Porter Jr. dunking and and uh, doing like little hesitation dribbles, which were the slowest hesitation moves I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but uh, that this seems like a move that uh, indicates that they're maybe not as high as they're pretending to be on on Michael Porter Jr. and his uh, his recovery from that back surgery. 
Yeah, another thing, uh, one reporter mentioned, I forgot who brought it up, but it, it also means that they're preparing for Paul Millsap to not be that big of a part of their future, right? Uh, right. I, I, I believe. He did, the, he did uh, the, the team picked up his $30 million player option for this season, but yeah, he'll, he'll be a free agent after this year. Yeah, so I believe in the future, especially with the way Jeremy Grant's contracts will end up, I think he's a future at four for them, right? And I, I like the move a lot. They gave up, a, I think it was a lottery protected, or it was top, it's top ten for the, each of the next three years for uh, Jeremy Grant. I, I think that works perfectly. They're going to be a playoff team. And I think for a team like Denver, where I'm not sure they're so... I'm not sure they're going to be big spenders in any possible way, especially the way their cap situation set up. That's a good move to improve, right? It's like a nice, subtle move, especially in a Western Conference that's going to be a little more open. Yeah, and you know, talking about next year, if Millsap does leave and they and they can't come to some sort of a, a long term agreement, and you know he's older now, I think he's thirty three or thirty four at this point. Uh, Grant should be able to fill in that role reasonably well. He's he's a similar player in terms of being you know more of a defensive guy that can spot up and shoot. He doesn't have as versatile of as of an offensive game as Millsap uh, you know has, but. He's younger. He's a, he's more athletic than Millsap. So yeah, a solid move there. Uh, and uh, you know, yeah, I think the Nuggets have have done a pretty good job working around the margins here and uh, continuing to to uh, to build out their roster despite, as you said, not being a, a great free agent destination. Uh, let's let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks as well. They uh, you know they were another team that I thought. Probably should have gone after Marcus Morris. We mentioned the Lakers. Uh, that would have been a, a nice get for them. Uh, they end up not doing that. I was wondering what they were going to spend their cap space on because they're they're going to uh, you know they're going to be losing it as soon as they they sign that that Porzingis deal. They they end up making a move for Delon Wright of the Memphis Grizzlies, signing him on a I believe it was a three year what twenty nine million dollar yep. deal. Uh, so he's another guy that you know they've already signed Seth Curry. But but he's kind of a, a very different player from Seth Curry, and he can play a little bit of two with his size at six five. Yeah, I, I was interested to see what Dallas was going to do because when Miami was trying to get rid of cap space to or free up cap space for Jimmy Butler, they had mentioned uh, sending. Initially, it was reported that Dragic was going to the Mavericks, but the Mavericks hesitated because they they wanted to use their cap space elsewhere. So I similarly was interested to see what they were going to do, and I think Delon Wright is actually probably a better fit for what their roster is compared to pairing Dragic and Doncic. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think part of the intrigue with that was with their national team, where where that would have fit in. But Dragic fell off pretty. His his production fell off, and he's not even the scoring that he used to be. He's never been an even passable defender. So right, yeah, and. Uh... You know, right at at twenty seven on a three year deal, pretty good. Um, I uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased with with what Dallas has done. They they were able to retain the likes of Kleba and and uh, even though the Dwight Powell extension was a huge overpay, like you know he's he he's a rotation guy. He serves a purpose for that team as a, as a role man. And then uh, getting Dorian Finney Smith. Where do you think Dallas stacks up in in terms of the Western Conference? Do you think this is a playoff team? Do you think they're kind of on the fringes? I mean, this this conference is going to be uh, you know pretty stacked once again. Yeah, I think they're going to be on the fringes. It's it's always weird. I think the top seven is just to quickly go to Clippers, Jazz, Rockets, Lakers, Nuggets, Warriors, Blazers in some order. I think that eight seed. 
I think it's going to be San Antonio again. Okay. Which is honestly a little disappointing just because they seem to sort of target that spot. And I think the Kings can make a run at that eighth spot. I think the Mavs can. If the Thunder don't get rid of Russell Westbrook, that's a team that's still going to be competitive. Right? So I would say they're a fringe playoff team. It's just weird, especially in the Western Conference. There's Even though it's not as top-heavy, it's still relatively deep. Yeah. There's not many playoff spots to get necessarily. So I think it, it'll depend uh, largely on how Kristaps Porzingis comes back, right? Because if he's close to the player he was before that ACL tear, him and Doncic are going to be a, a very, very productive duo. They're, that's a team that can make a run. And that's the thing. With young players, we can't really project them. as like, oh, there'll be a French playoff team. Like, right? It's like sort of the, they're sort of the opposite team of where the Spurs are, where you can project Lamarcus Aldridge, Jamar DeRozan, we know what they are. Doncic and KP can make a pretty big leap next year, and yeah. that can be that, that could be a team that's like the top five team in the West, maybe, right? right. Like, like, just say everything goes right. Uh, the medium outcome for me is probably like an eighth, ninth, tenth seed. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on this Dallas team now, to be honest. I, I again, I think Seth Curry and Delon Wright are perfect fits with with Doncic, Doncic and Porzingis, their guards that. You know, and I think Seth Curry even is is an underrated defender. I think both of the Curry brothers are, are at least yeah. like passable on that end, uh, and you know they they don't need the ball in their hands too much, but they both can you can handle it a little bit. Delon Wright's a decent driver finisher, um, and and uh, yeah, I think they're you know they've they've got uh, with with Kleba and Finney Smith and and Dwight Powell. They they've got uh, you know a, a decent foundation of uh, of some role players around them and yeah as you said it a lot depend on you know how Porzingis comes back you know it, a lot of people aren't thinking about this too but it's been like you know over a year and a half probably by the time the next season starts since that ACL injury so you know you you talk about a lot of guys don't look great coming off the ACL injury right away but he's had even extra time to to recover from that injury yeah it'll be interesting especially as as it regards to Kristaps Porzingis, where I'm concerned is where they have him slotted as a four or a five, because right now they have a lot of fours and fives. So, but none of them can really stretch the court. Oh, and they signed Boban as well at center. Yeah, yeah so I, that to me seems like they're going to put Porzingis at the four, because they have Dwight Powell, which obviously they've invested a lot in now. They have Boban. I don't know Dorian Finney-Smith as a direct pairing to Kristaps, maybe that's what they go to. But it'll be interesting. They have a lot of bigs, and it sort of signals to me that they're comfortable with KP playing the four. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the the fact that he's so versatile, they, they put some other bigs in there. I think Kleba is good because he's also a guy that can, can switch and stretch the floor. He's got some versatility to his game as well, so they can throw out a couple of bigs that, that can do do some things. Dwight Powell, obviously the great role guy, so you you would play sort of uh, KP in the Dirk Nowitzki position where he's the stretch four with Tyson Chandler sort of ru- running down the lane. Uh, but yeah, the the Mavs are going to be are, are going to be fun to watch this year. I, I loved watching Luka Doncic on League Pass last year. Let's move to another team in the in the in the state of Texas, and that is the San Antonio Spurs. They were the team that ended up eventually acquiring Marcus Morris on a two year, twenty million dollar deal. I believe a player option on that second year. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on on them acquiring him? And then also there was that news that they uh, 
they gave Damari Carroll a third year on his contract after the initial reporting was two years, $13 million, and ended up officially, finally being three years, $21 million, and then they had, to, they had to trade Bertans to make that happen. Yeah, it's interesting if you look at the Spurs team. They have Derek White and DeJounte Murray, right? DeJounte Murray's going to come back next year after the knee injury suffered the past year. I'm interested to see what this team, I think their potential really relies on how can that backcourt tandem work together, right? Do they play together? Do they start together? Because they are probably the two best young players on that roster. They do have DeMar DeRozan, who has one plus one, which is really two left on his deal. That's the whole problem I have with this roster construction is you have this weird, you have a lot of young guys who are good, and if you let them just play, I feel like the potential will be really interesting. But I feel like you're limiting the ceiling, even in terms of the future, when you're really focusing on LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan to be core members of the team. And especially with how deep the West is, I don't see how they're better than like an 8 seed. Right? Well, I mean, I, I definitely don't think they're, they're a team that is going to make it to the second round, I would, I would say. But, you know, Greg Popovich and the Spurs have always been able to, to have a better seed than I think most people that's anticipate. Why, yeah, that's why they're relying on... Uh, that's why I'm relying on them making the playoffs. Like I just, yeah. it's always hard to say that they're not going to make. The and playoffs. Morris is a solid player. You know, I think he would have been a better fit on a team that was more of a contender, that was in a, a win now situation. Again, I thought he would have been great on the Lakers, uh, but he's certainly going to make the Spurs better. They've got quality players at a lot of positions, as you said, in the point at point guard now with Dejounte Murray coming back and Derek White. They're they're solid there. DeMar DeRozan, despite all of his flaws, especially in the postseason, he's still, you know, a, a top 35 guy in the regular season. LaMarcus Aldridge is productive. So they're, they're going to be there. The, the team that you mentioned that you had basically as a lock in your top six or seven teams that, that I'm still debating on is the Golden State Warriors. You know, even though they were able to, uh, after getting hard-capped doing the sign-and-trade with D'Angelo Russell, they, uh, they were able to to respond by acquiring Kevon Looney and uh, also Willie Cauley-Stein to, to shore up that, uh, that center position. Of course, now Cousins and Jordan Bell are both gone, Bell going to Minnesota. Uh, but uh, the Warriors are, are going to be questionable. You know, Even though they've got Steph Curry, they've got D'Angelo Russell, Draymond Green, and those centers, their wings are just so weak on this roster. They, they did sign Glenn Robinson the third, but uh, if he's your answer, that, that is not a great sign. Yeah, they just actually signed Alec Burks. Okay. Right now, and that, that I, yeah, their wings are really deep. I, I think they're going to go into the season starting Alfonso McKinney, which is troubling. I don't like the Stephen Curry, D'Angelo Russell fit. Both guys need the ball. I, I would be interested to see if they tried Steph more off ball next season, just because of D'Angelo Russell needs to maximize his potential being on the ball. It, that's where it makes the most sense to have him. But yeah, I, the reason I have the Warriors as a lock more so than anything else is just. I can't doubt Steph Curry not getting that team in the playoffs. Right, this is a team. Yeah. This is a team with uh, they. They had Clay Thompson and Steph. This is before they really even utilized Draymond Green with Mark when Mark Jackson was a the coach. They were still a pretty consistent lock in a deep Western Conference to be like a five six seed, right? So that's why it's tough for me to say they're not going to make the playoffs, especially because I think D'Angelo Russell will eventually around December fifteenth when they can trade him. They might get, like I know you mentioned earlier to me, was a Robert Covington and Josh Kogi package for from the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that'll be interesting to see. Like, like Initially, it'll be a tough fit, but I just can't doubt Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry will lead him in the playoffs. I think they might be able to get a higher seed. and They might be able to pick up one of the seeds just because 
of Steph, and I would not be shocked if he won MVP next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm as big of a fan of Steph Curry as anybody. My big concern is like, you know, if, yeah, if you can chalk up Steph Curry playing seventy plus games next year, I agree with you. They're probably they're most likely a playoff team. But you know, if you know he's missed significant time the last few years, you know, if he plays in the in the fifties. Those, those 30 or so games the Warriors are going to play, it's going to be a real struggle, even with D'Angelo Russell. And uh, you also talk about Draymond Green, you know, that this team does not, to me, seem like a team that's going to be very good defensively at all. You know, you lost, for the, for the vast majority of this year, you're not going to have Clay Thompson. You lost Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala. The, the defense already took a dip last year. I think they finished, like, uh, around ninth in the NBA in defense last year. It wouldn't shock me if they're even like you know below league average next season on on the defensive end of the floor. And then if you combine that with Steph missing time, their offense isn't going to be very good either. Yeah, and Clay is not going to be back, right? Clay is going to be gone until at least December. And yeah, I would expect they to be very very cautious of how they play him. And, and that like that that time frame is like you know the five month range, which I don't think I've ever seen a guy yeah. recover from an ACL in five exactly. months. That yeah. seems way too optimistic for me. That, that's uh, exactly, and I, I, especially after the Kevin Durant injury, they're not going to rush him back. It's gonna t- it's gonna be a process. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back until March, right? That would be sort of my expected timetable for Clay. Yeah, their perimeter defense is gonna be bad. Their guards aren't great defenders. I I, I think Steph is a pretty solid defender, especially as a team defender, but. You can't rely on him, right? Like you're relying on Looney and Draymond cleaning up a lot of your mistakes if you have a Russell Steph backcourt. And they're I liked how they've recovered in terms of adding role players. Like they've added Glenn Robinson, they just traded for Amari Spellman, they signed Alec Burks. Uh, but I, like Livingston isn't going to be on their roster next year, right? That's another aspect of their team construction where they don't really have a backup point guard. I guess they're going to alternate pretty heavily between Russell and Steph Curry, but. Yeah, your concerns are valid, right? That there's a, a there's a, there's a, a world where they don't make the playoffs next year, and that'll be especially interesting is going forward looking at their team. If they're not making the playoffs next year, how do they handle Draymond Green's contract, right? right. And so, but another thing is you know you mentioned how their defensive productivity dipped last year. I think one aspect of their defense not being as bad is maybe Draymond's more motivated. I think Draymond is pretty bad this year uh, defensively in the regular season. He obviously amped that up in the playoffs. He was that. Same Draymond that we remember him, but if Draymond is able to come back and give that effort in a contract year for him, stay in shape, stay yeah. in shape, th- that'll be an element of maybe they're not as bad as we think they can be. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very good point. Um, yeah, he'll definitely need to have like a, a gargantuan effort if he wants to keep that team like near the top ten on defense. He's going to have to be amazing. But uh, yeah, it, the Western Conference is going to be fantastic to watch as usual, and and that's really been. What's been uh, real interesting as far as the free agent market, it's been a lot more focused on the Western Conference. Yeah, it's, it's a swing back. Last year, the East made like a little bit of a renaissance, but it, it seems like they're going to be a little more top-heavy than they've been in past years, too. Well, yeah, we're, uh, we're about to, uh, again, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. We're about to head to, uh, to the Thomas and Mack Center at UNLV to watch some more uh, Summer League. But, Shamir, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that, uh, that really helps a lot. 
if uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me uh, on Twitter at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from uh, from the people listening to the program. And uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar. And uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.